1: You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter box. Welcome back and thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and this episode is sponsored by the Chief Bat Company out of Manchester, Iowa. Find them on Facebook. They do fantastic work, customized wood bats, perfect for your off-season training. This next sponsor, it's crazy because our upcoming guest is actually wearing a hat of theirs right now as I speak to him is Dugout Sports, Jay Wannell, and he is a Wartburg grad and his facility is doing amazing things in Fairfax, Iowa. Find them on Facebook. They have had some of the top pros in the area trained there such as AJ Puck from the Oakland A's, Mitch Keller who had a seller season from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So look up dugout sports in Fairfax, Iowa. Our guest today is from Wartburg College and we're joined by associate head coach who is a three-time all-conference selection pitcher of the year and one of the greatest Wartburg Knights of all time coach Ryan Doty. Welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Coach,
0: I appreciate you having me on here, and I nice said, looking forward to to discuss some
1: baseball stuff here. This is this is going to be some fun. I know uh, Tyler Soigling reached out to me, and he was excited about some of the guests that I've had on. He said a lot of them came from the Dubuque Brewers organization, so he's he's glad to see that that organization in the independent league is repping pretty well here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun years in in the uh, independent league with the Brewers.
1: Ryan, currently you're the associate head coach at Warburg College under Colt, Coach Holtz. I want to talk about the journey that led you to Waverly. What years did you play and prep at Hempstead High School? Yeah, so so my freshman year was summer of 2006,
0: um, and it was one of the, the best times. Um, actually, my four years at Warburg at, at Hempstead was was a great four years, and and got to, to, you know, become friends with a lot of good baseball players. But um, like I said, I started my freshman years in 2006, and I graduated in 2009.
1: And you played for retired head coach Tom Whitry and current head coach Jeff Rapp. How did those guys help develop your game while you were at Hempstead that later took you on to be one of the top players in Wartburg history?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it was two very different styles of how, how that kind of came about. Um, you know, both very, very uh, good baseball minds. Um, I actually grew up, you know, watching Coach Rappi. He had played with my dad for a number of years, so, you know, got to know him that way. And then, obviously, Coach Whitchery, um, you know, taught up at Jefferson where I went to middle school at, and, you know, I knew him through that side of things. But, you know, with, with Coach Witchery, it was kind of, you know, building that mentality of, of you know, any time you step on that field, that could be the last time you step on the field. Um, and just kind of having that mindset of uh, no one's going to outwork you, no one's going to outplay you. You know, you just kind of have that mentality that you know you're going to you're going to be successful. Um, and then in terms of the uh, coach wrap side of things, is you know it was just a, is a is a very very good baseball mind and and kind of got to the point of of you know working through fundamental things that you know when you come through independently little league that you know that next step up to, to high school baseball doesn't matter if it's going into freshman or your or varsity. Um, you know it's a big step up and, and, it, and it's that way in terms of every every kind of clash you jump off through. So um, again, I was very fortunate to get to to play for both of those guys and, and, and learned a lot in that time. But you know I again mean, like I said my time at Hempstead, you know, I got to work or you know be coached by a lot of a lot of good individuals. I mean Brian Pins coached my freshman year uh, you know, Kurt Deutsch and, and the late Grant Boat uh, got to learn a lot from those guys. And then, you know, when I got to the varsity level with Coach Rapp and Coach Wittry and actually Coach Deutsch had come up to the varsity level with that class as well. So just, I just think about the things that they did to impact my life and was something that, you know, made me kind of want to get into what I'm doing for a career now.
1: I think what Coach Wittry did that you don't see a lot of head coaches do is, is Coach Wittry his staff was handpicked by him, and he pretty much told everybody, you're coaching here, and this is what you're working on. And right. and he kind of would take a back seat. Yes, he was the head coach, but Coach Deutsch did the pitching. Coach Rapp did the defensive calls and, and took the third base coach's box. And, and a lot of times you don't see that um, in high school. A lot of times you really don't see that. It seems like a lot of times coaches or, or managers are control freaks and, and they want to control everything. But you had some great coaches there at Hempstead. How did they prepare you for life? And also, how did they prepare you for your current coaching position at Warburg College? Yeah, and I think you know you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of
0: that. You know, Coach Witcher knew uh, the strengths of the of his coaching staff, and, and it was kind of one of those things of it's your it's it's Coach Deutsch has got the pitchers, and you're in charge of them. You know, I trust the decisions that you make with those guys. You know, you're around them every day, and I think that that's something that really benefited uh, you know our program um, a lot. Um, and that's something that I think you know, like you said at at the at the high school level, as it's become so. Um, you know, dominant, they want to have control of everything. Well, you know, you don't get your eyes on every, every kid during a practice. And that was something I think that was definitely very beneficial for our, for our success that we had. Um, but like I said, all, all those coaches had, in some way, shape or form, and had an impact on my life and, and understanding that, you know, when you, when you coach baseball for the love of baseball, but you coach baseball or you coach athletics in general, because of the relationship you make with, with players, um, and and kind of like I said the impact you have on their lives you know later on you know it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be an impact in terms of a baseball experience but in terms of just you know again getting older becoming uh, you know a, a, an adult um, is something that you know I, I look back and think about the things that I learned and that, you know under those guys guidance that you know again has gotten me to where I'm at now and understand that that you know it, it takes a lot to be be a, a a coach. Um, and it's something that can be very, very difficult at times, but it also can be one of the most rewarding things that, you know, you can experience in your lifetime because like you said here, I get, you know, phone calls or text messages or or wedding invitations from former players and, and you talk to their parents and they, you know, I talk about the, the impact you had on their son's life is, is more rewarding than, you know, the wins you have or, the records you break and things like that i mean those are those are memories that you you take with you and keep for you know a long time
1: you're exactly right about that, and and I think about coaching now, and I think about teaching now, and and the buzzwords right now are about building relationships. And Coach Wittry was doing that way before those were the buds, buzz, the buzzwords in coaching and teaching. And he just had a way to motivate his players, and and I felt when I played for Coach Wittry, there was no ball I would not die for, there was no fence that I would not run through to make yep. a play for that guy. And when you made a play for that guy, boy, he, he showed his emotion and, and, and he, he told you how proud he was, but boy, if you screwed up or missed a sign, he did not have a problem telling you what you did wrong in front of everybody watching it. And, and he did not hold back one bit. Now we do. Know exactly.
0: That, and, and, you know. and kind of like on that, like you said, is, you know, it's, it's, you know, you made a good play and he's the first person the uh, dugout to, to congratulate you. You know, he's beaten, you know, 17 18 year old you know kids out of the dugout to come congratulate you on a great play or, or like you said you miss a sign or you do something wrong he's not wasn't afraid to tell you you know what you needed here. Um, that's something I think you know as a coach is important to do. you need to be the one to, to guide somebody or guide a, a student athlete and but you also or correct them when they make mistakes but you also need to be the first one to you know congratulate them or, or give them praise on something they do that's, that you know is successful.
1: You're exactly right. And nobody ever questioned his passion for the game, questioned if, if he wanted to be there at all. Now, Coach Witchery is, is an over the top personality. That would be that would be an understatement. And we were talking um, off camera about Coach Witcher's stories. I mean, we could devote an episode three hours long just based yep. about Coach Witcher's stories. But if you think about your favorite coach witchery stories over the year. Which which one or two would you pinpoint as being
0: yours? The the one that that we still talk about today when I when I get you know back with buddies that I graduated with is it was actually my junior year um, and as you know at Core Field whenever whenever it rains everything washes down that hill and the the field becomes a little bit of a mess so I remember we played that Friday I believe we were playing City High and at the time I think they were ranked number one in the state. And we, it rained for two days prior to it, and we're out in the outfield with shot bags, sucking water up and taking bucket full of water out of, the, out of the outfield, and trying to trying to get the field ready to play that afternoon. It wasn't, and it wasn't like, oh, you're not playing today. You can help out. It was. It didn't matter if you were a starting pitcher or you were number twenty five in the roster. It didn't matter. You were out putting the work into getting the field ready. And I remember, like I so said, we played City High that night. Ended up sweeping City High at home, and we were. We were all sorts of excited and, and, and happy, and, and then the, the worst thing was is, is that weekend, Saturday and Sunday, we got more rain. So Monday morning, we're out again, shot back in water off the field. This time, we had Iowa City West coming in, and we may have played two of the worst games that entire year, um, and it just happened to be against Iowa City West after the amount of work you put into the field. And, and I remember getting done with the game, and we're out in the outfield, and and. Coach, Coach uh, Wincher is kind of giving it to us, and, and Coach Rapp and Coach Deutsch are standing behind him. And Coach is, he's just going on his rampage here, all, and all of a sudden he goes, You know, we got guys that are more worried about where their cookies are at. And we're kind of, everyone's kind of looking at you like, What are you talking about cookies? And he goes, So you know where your cookies are? He goes, They're in your freaking socks. Yet he may have threw a different effort in there that uh, I don't know is is good to say on here. and and everyone kind of looked at each other like I'm not sure what he's talking about. And Coach Deutsch and Coach Rapper behind Coach Witchery turned around and they're laughing. You can see them; they're just shaking, they're laughing so hard. So everyone's trying to hold their laughing as he's just going on his rampage. Nobody knew what he meant by it. Cookies in the socks, and it was it was one of the most funny things. And but again, I was I was so scared because he was just he was just laying just he, he is not the one that's shy to, to lay in. Like said, when you do things wrong, and and he was definitely. Uh, on his high horse there with, with giving, uh, giving us, I guess, a um, a, a tongue lashing and, and like I said, for us to sit there and try to hold our laugh. And as two of our assistant coaches are standing behind him, trying to hold their laugh in. But again, it was, that's the one story. And like said, we could I could go on for hours about the good, the, the funny things that, that coach Whitry did and, and all it was because his passion for baseball. I mean, it's, it's hard not to want to play for a guy like that. Um, but like I said, when, we, when I come back and when I meet up with buddies that I graduated with, that's got to be the top story that ever, that gets talked about, you know, every single year.
1: And and Coach Rapp, I, I traveled with him quite a bit when I was his, his assistant, and and he would he would always go go to that story as well. And there was yep. another time where I think Coach Whitry, uh got ticked off and kicked somebody's lunch and their bologna and uh, cheese and yeah. um, tomatoes like, and bread just flew in the air and it was and it was like slow motion. And then after he yeah. did it, he goes to Coach Deutsch and Coach, uh, Coach Rapp and goes, I think I have to buy somebody lunch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've never, he's also had the one where, I'm not sure, but I've seen a metal folding chair fly as far as I did after we had, I think it was an air or something like that. And there's a, you know, he was sitting on the end of his chair and all of a sudden stands up and just kicks this metal folding chair. It closes up and it's like six, five, six feet in the air flying through the dugout. I can see the guys that are sitting over there watching the chair flying through the dugout. And, um, but again, like you said, there's, the stories are, are endless. And, and like you said, it, it, it just came back to the passion that he had for, you know, and not so much the passion for like, oh, we needed to win. It was just the passion to know that, you know, his his players were better than that, um, yeah. and he knew they were better than that, and was kind of one of those things of, I know you're better than that. You need to show that. So
1: you're exactly right. He set such a high standard, and if you did not meet that standard, he he would he would let you know that you did not meet a standard. You weren't playing Hempstead baseball. You weren't playing his style of baseball. Now. At Hempstead, your teams had a lot of success. Did, were you guys able to win any conference championships, able to go to the state tournament at all? I think my junior year, uh, we may have gotten
0: second, I think, in, in our conference. Um, and, or actually, we may have won our division. I think we were in the, the Mississippi division, and then I can't remember who won the Valley. But I think overall record, we were second overall in the conference. And then actually that same year, was we went to we, – Actually got to go to state that year in 2008, and uh, actually as the eight seed, I think we were like 20, I think we were like 27 and 10 or something like that. and We ended up being the eight seed, and that was the year that uh, Johnston went 40 0 and won the state state tournament for 4A, and that was who we got paired up in our first round. And uh, I mean, those are like I said, the memories that we had from that being, you know, we were a, a hit away from you know tying it up or, or taking the lead in, in the top of seventh. But again, that was a great experience to be, you know, be a part of. And I think any any kid that gets a chance to be a part of that that environment, whether you're you win the state title or not, it's it's a great experience to be a part of.
1: Now you told us what years you went to Hempstead, but a lot of times people that listen to this don't really match up the years, but they can match up the players and the faces. So when you were at Hempstead who are some of your teammates? And then when you think back to the area in Dubuque, who are some of the top players in the area?
0: Yeah, so so the class that was the head of me had uh, B.J. Juergens, uh, Jason Brown, um, trying to think who else was in that. Chris Johnson was in that, Nate Hubanks. Um, there was, you know, they were they were a class ahead of me that I was uh, fortunate enough to play with for actually two years, with them, you know, my sophomore year as well. But, um, you know, within my class, it was, you know, Matt Canoble and, and Ben Cottrell and, and the class below me had, you know, Alex Timmerman and, and Andrew Redman and um, John Reed. I mean, there was a lot of good baseball players, you know, within our within our three year class period, kind of the class above me and the class below me. Um, and then kind of throughout the, throughout, you know, Dubuque area, Jeremy Girardi that played at, at senior was, was very good. Um, you know, Brian Callahan at, at Um And it's, it's, it's been so long, I guess I haven't thought about this, but again, there was, there was a lot of good talent, you know, in the, in the city of Dubuque, um, you know, when I was going through at that time and, and, you know, getting guys that I still stay in contact with and, and, you know, get a chance to, you know, see how where they're at in their life and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, like I so said, that kind of is is the, the the guys that you know come to my come to mind when I think about kids that I played with or against you know, in the city of Dubuque.
1: And when you hear those names of those Hempstead guys, I mean, that was a six stretch, a six year stretch run where they made some uh, amazing runs and and set some records and took a lot of trips to the state tournament. While you were there, did you collect any individual awards?
0: I may have been. Uh, conference, second team, all conference, maybe Um, not a lot. I would say it was, it was actually the NBC in that time, which is, it always is, is a very strong conference. We had a lot of guys that, you know, in that year in terms of Scott Shevler and, and, Christensen and, and, you know, a lot of guys that were very, very uh, good baseball players. So uh, for, you know, winning a, winning an award as an all conference player in the NBC doesn't matter if it was then or it is now. I mean, it's, it, it takes, you know, you've got to have a good season to be able to win some of those awards. And, and like I think I may have gotten a second team conference or something like that, but nothing too, too crazy or, or um, big, I guess.
1: Now a two part question before we get into your college career and, and your coaching career for the Wartburg Knights, what, would be your greatest memory while playing at Hempstead if you could pinpoint one and then if you could have one redo moment that you could relive and and do it all over again and have a different outcome what would they be
0: well the funny thing is is actually both of them are the about the exact same thing so uh the first I mean the the greatest memory obviously was getting a chance to go play you know in principal park and um, and actually, like I said, playing in that pro stadium was was without a doubt one of the best memories that you know that I can I can remember from that time. And, and if there's one thing we could go back and change, would be the the game against Johnston, knowing that you know we were that close to to you know knocking off the number one team in the state. And you know, again, doesn't I couldn't say we would have went on and won a state championship, but you know, again, having that you know, the only loss they would have had all year being to us and us being the eighth seed and, and continuing along in that, in that you know, state tournament would have been, you know, one thing I'd go back and change. And, you know, again, whether that has something I had control of or not, it was just, again, it was something that, you know, with, uh, with the year that we had and the, the amount of uh, quality baseball players we had that we were so close to being able to, to continue along at state and, and be, you know, one hit away from, you know, tying it up. And, and, and actually in the time was um, – Andrew Redmond was a guy that was at, at the plate. You know, I think that year it broke the doubles record for Hempstead. And you know, as you know, Principal Park's a big stadium. So, ball in the gap, you're scoring two and possibly three in that situation. And and like I said, we played as about as good as we probably could have against a you know really strong Johnston team.
1: And did Andrew Redmond start that game on the mound?
0: No, he started uh, actually. Yes, I think he did start the mound on the mound that game because I, mean, I think he and I think it was uh, either Chris Johnson or Nate Hughbanks had come in after him to, to to finish the game up.
1: I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was that game, but I remember at Coach Witchery's retirement party, we were watching a game from the state tournament and Red was on the mound, and mm-hmm. he had a a questionable call. A lot of people will say it was strike three, and it was called a ball. And then the very next pitch, there was a base hit that may have scored two runs that that gave the other team the lead. I'm not sure if that was Johnson or not.
0: It could have been. Um, I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I know, like I said, there's it, we had actually in that game against Johnson, there was a, a few questionable calls, you know, from from us offensively as well that didn't go our way. But that's baseball. I mean, as you know, I mean, those are things that you can't control, and you just have. On those
1: so, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it, it is baseball. After you left Hempstead, you found your way making waves on the campus of Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa. What was it about Wartburg that made you feel at home?
0: Um, I, I've been fortunate enough in my time of playing through youth baseball and at, at, at Hempstead uh, being a part of, of successful teams and and understanding the work ethic that goes that goes in each day to to be successful. And that was kind of what I had got when I took my visit to Warburg. And and I looked at a lot of schools. Um, you know, and it was hard it was hard for me to, to go away from Dubuque and leave, you know, Loris, uh, being that I, I've known Coach T Bond since I was, you know, six, seven years old and been to every one of his camps. And um, you know, it's one of those things that was very difficult for me to do. And and but it was just it felt like Warburg and everything that that kind of came with that package was was definitely the right fit for me. And and ultimately, it was a little bit to get away from from, you know, mom and dad and get on my own a little bit and, and get away from Dubuque and, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a I guess in a small way is kind of go to a place that, you know, had no idea who I was and kind of, you know, recreate an image in a, in a town that, you know, was not my hometown. Um, and that's really, like I said, what kind of what kind of got me to Warburg and and made me fall in love with the place.
1: Would you have ever imagined when you stepped on there for your campus visit, I'm just throwing out 10 to 12 years later that you'd still be there, still with the baseball program, still coaching?
0: You know, the funny thing is when I I – came into college. I, I know I, I wanted to be you know, in the business field and, and be an accountant and this and that. And then I took my first accounting class and was like, you know, what? I don't know if I could see myself sitting at a desk and, and doing that all day. I wanted to be, be out, be active. And, and, you know, fortunately, fortunately enough for me, me being active here on campus was, uh, you know, being a part of the baseball program. So uh, if you have told me that 10 years down the road that I was still here, absolutely not. Um, But I also say that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I am still here and and get to be around, you know, such a a dominant and well-known athletic department. And and the guys that, you know, we bring in year in and year out, you know, make my job of going to the field every day or seeing them walk in the halls, you know, a whole lot more enjoyable.
1: Now, when you were a player at Wartburg, you were a two-way player, which in college is kind of unheard of. How does a college player and college coaching staff make that work
0: it's a little bit of a balancing act um you know the good thing is is when you get into the fall settings you know our falls the way they're set up and um you know the fact that we've got lights at our facility allows you know for guys to be able to kind of do both of them um and then obviously as we get through our our fall and our off season you know going into our spring you know we know we've got a good feel if this you know a guy's going to help us more on the mound or he's going to help us more as a position player that yeah, you know, we want to make sure we're focusing our time, you know, where it needs to be more focused at. Um, but it's definitely something that you know we've been able to to do at a pretty good rate here. I guess been b- very successful with it. Um, but you know, even the even the fact of being a starting pitcher as a, and a position players, you know, tricky. Um, a lot of times you see guys that are position players that pitch are relief guys or you know closers or things like that that you're talking about an inning or two innings here and there where you're not talking about you know, going seven innings in a ball game and then playing a, a position the other three games that we played. So um, it's a balancing act, but it's something that I think we've done for a, a long enough time and, and had enough guys that have done that, that we've got a pretty good feel of how we balance that and making sure that most of our guys, you know, got to stay healthy when they do that. Um, and that's that's the, the part that can be a little tricky at times. And, you know, it's it's just, you know, monitoring those things as as guys go through our fall and our and then our spring season.
1: And I do want to read your bio from when you were at Wartburg, so people listening to this know that we just don't have schlubs here on the Dubuque Area Baseball <laughs> Podcast. We, we bring in people that know their stuff, because I don't know very much about the game. But while you were at Wartburg as a player, you were a three-time All-Conference Selection Conference Pitcher of the Year. And you rank in the top 10 in many different categories while pitching for Wartburg. You're the program's all-time leader in strikeouts per nine innings, 20 wins on the mound with 207 innings pitched, which ranks 10th and 9th in program history. You have a career ERA of 2.46, which ranks fourth all-time. You are also in the top 10 in six other career categories on the mound, once you held the record for most Ks, 13 in a in a game, which you did twice, which was broke by Dylan Gatto. Go back and listen to his episode if you missed it. And you are also the single season record holder with 104 strikeouts in your junior season. Now, when I was prepping for you and I was pulling your stats, I, I was pretty dumbfounded because I remember... Coaching in the area while you played at Hempstead, and I don't ever remember you being a pitcher. And so I sent a text message to Coach Rapp, and (laughs) I said, Hey, and I said, Coach Rapp, um, I asked him if you were a stud pitcher in high school, and I completely missed that, or if you were a late bloomer. And Coach Rapp gave me permission to use this quote, and this is his direct quote. He said, he was always really good and had a great senior year for us. We definitely underused him in high school. He always had great command and a really good changeup. And Coach Rapp, I know you're listening, that is a direct quote. Coach Rapp sometimes gets upset because I will exaggerate his quotes um, or or make them sound a lot more um, bigger than what they were. But exact quote from him. Now, why do you think... You may have been underused in high school, and do you ever feel that maybe that led to you being such an outstanding pitcher in college because your arm was virtually fresh when you went off to Wartburg?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I would never say that I was um, underused at Hempstead. Um, you know, I had two guys ahead of me that were definitely better than I was, and Andrew Edmond and Ben Guttrell. Um, You know, guys that had you know, a little more, um, a little more zip on their fastball than what, than what I had. So, um, but I mean, it was one of those things, you know, my time, and actually I still remember it that, you know, my senior year, the first start of the, of the year I had, I think it was against Cedar Rapids, Washington. And I got, I got shelled pretty bad. Um, and I remember the last, the last pitch I threw ended up being a, a, a bomb that almost hit the, uh. The apartment complexes across uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania there uh, by by Chad Christensen. So I still remember this day. I'm, I'm like, uh, wherever he hit it, I, I knew it. It was gone. I was like looking to get another ball. And Austin. I see Coach Deutsch coming out of the dugout. He just kind of was looking, you know, left and right. And also looked at me and kind of gave his little like, "Yikes!" Like look. Um, and I go, "Yeah, that ball. Uh, that ball was hit well." And I remember kind of from that point on, it was more of um, you know understanding the the fact of uh, you know there's more to to pitching than than throwing hard. Obviously, throwing hard is a big bo- a big bonus to it. But you know, there's also that fact of, of you know knowing how to pitch, knowing how to to work the nine zones and within within the, the strike zone and and understanding how to kind of keep guys off balance. And and, um, and then, like I said, I think the rest of the year, I think I went six or seven and old. Oh, finished the year up. And um, and I, I mean I I was used I think as as much as I needed to be used. Um, having those two guys ahead of me was. Was definitely those were our number one and number two. Um, like I said, I don't think I was ever underused, and I, and, and it was one of those things that I, I just I knew I knew baseball. I knew how you know hitting's hitting, pitching's pitching. You know you you, you can get a hitter out it doesn't matter if they're a, a professional or or you know high school kid. You still got to pitch, you execute pitches, and you and you you know you do what you need to do to get guys out. You just might have issues where uh, your mistakes get hit a little bit harder at the the higher levels you get onto, but. Uh, but no i I thought my time at warper at, at, at Hempstead was was used exactly how I would have uh, wanted to and actually to be honest with you I was never I was never really a big big into pitching I just did it when I was younger because I could throw fairly hard at that age and then the older I got guys started to catch up to me and and pass me pretty quickly um, so I kind of got to the point where I was like you know I just enjoyed pitching because you know I, I enjoy the competition I enjoy having the, the game kind of in your hands and and you know when I went out there it was no matter if it was a, a good or a bad day you were gonna get you know one hundred percent from me on the mound and, and that's kind of like said so what I used my time at, at Hempstead to, to do.
1: And in true Coach rap, rap form, he did send me your senior year stats after that text, and you were six and one. Can't remember yeah. what what your other stats were, but then it started to get me thinking: like, How did I miss? All those years of you playing varsity baseball and I never once saw you pitch or I never once saw you start and then it also maybe was one of those things I knew you were a very valuable and strong defensive fielding second baseman and I know sometimes I've coached where sometimes I didn't go to my best option on the mound because if I put my best option on the mound then I have to go to my second or third string shortstop where I would almost rather see if we could get some outs without having to do that. Now, right. what made you stick it out um, in college to become a pitcher? Because like you said, you didn't feel you were underused, but you said in high school you had two guys that were better than you, and you went to one of the top teams at the time of the Iowa Conference that is always good, and you made your mark there as one of their top pitchers in program history. So what made you stick it out? Yeah, um, I remember our fall rolled around,
0: our pitching coach at the time, um, you know, knew, I I mean, he knew that I had pitched, um, and sometimes to get through the fall, you have position guys that you're not going to use as pitchers in the season, but helps, you know, eat up a couple innings here and there, you know, just to get us, get you through the fall. Um, and I remember kind of going through it and, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, again, I enjoyed the fact of controlling the game and having the ball in my hand and, and it kind of falling on my shoulders. Um, and I remember going through the fall and I had a really good fall and enjoyed it. Um, and actually the time was kind of, I was behind a two or a senior at short and a senior at second. So I kind of was like, well, my time on the field might be pretty, pretty minimum um, that I wanted to get on whatever way it was to help, you know, our program out that was on the mound and it was, um, you know, and and as the kind of year went on, I got some relief roles, you know, had some, su- had some success there and. And then as got kind of about halfway through the season, I ended up starting playing third base, uh, you know, an everyday third baseman. Um, so my pitching from that point on kind of went down, went down a little bit, um, didn't start using it as it wasn't used as much. And then went to the conference tournament my freshman year and I got the start in the conference championship game against uh, Buena Vista and went, I think it was like six innings, gave up I think one run. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, my, my body kind of fell apart I, my arms started to get a little bit tired and and all of a sudden it kind of the floodgates opened up and I ended up giving, you know, quite a few runs up there in that, in that outing, but it kind of gave me a little bit of fire to say, you know, I'm not going to allow that to happen to me again. And, and, you know, went into my sophomore year and and was one of our starters that our self or my sophomore year and then played at second base as well. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it was. And, and, you know, if it wasn't for the pitching coach here at Warburg that said, you know, I think you've got a lot of, have a lot of success there and, Need to you know kind of stick it out and, and see what comes of it. Um, you know I might not have been you know the kind of pitcher I end up turning out to be.
1: Now Wartburg can use this on, on any of their brochures to get top athletes in there but I want to talk a little bit about Wartburg as a player you are part of some championship teams. what what makes Wartburg so good? and it's not just baseball. Wartburg is good at everything. They're good at every single sport. And it seems in every single sport, Wartburg is always at the top of the conference in everything. So, what is it about Wartburg that that they're good at everything?
0: Uh, I think a lot of it comes back to, and and you know, I think it's it, it's it's at a lot of places, but I think in terms of top bottom in our athletic department, that it's just that kind of that championship mindset that you know you you. you have come in from day one and, and know that the work that goes in day in and day out to to continue to keep your, your program at the at the top of its you know game um, you know is, is very important uh, in terms of all of our sports. Um, we also I mean again facility wise we we get a lot of support from our administration that understands that for us to be successful as as a as a athletic department that you know we've got to provide you know facilities for our student athletes to thrive. Um, and that's something that I think uh, Warburg done a great job in my time here um, more as probably a coach um, than it has when I was a player here. But um, again, the support that we get from our administration and, and from our, um, from our president has been, you know, great in terms of, of allowing our student athletes to have the success that they you know have had year in and year out.
1: Now, before we start talking about your time coaching, at Wartburg, what were some of your best memories as a player?
0: Oh boy, there's all there's all sorts of them. Um, Let's hear them. I just think I just think uh, you know again the, the when you get to the college setting, you're you're around guys that aren't you know the kids that you grew up with. Um, you're around guys that come from different states, different backgrounds, things like that, and kind of being able to build that that family um, environment has been something that I think you know, has been such a positive in in my, you know, 11 going on 12 years now. I've been, you know, at Warburg uh, four as a player and this will be my eighth as a coach um, that I just think about the memories that we talk about and the guys that, you know, I still stay more in contact with are probably the guys that I went to to college with. And, and, you know, uh, at the high school level, your baseball season kind of starts, you know, end of April, early May. And then once baseball starts the other day, you know, you're – Teammates go in there in football and they're in basketball in wintertime, they're in track in summer. Where the nine months that you're here on campus, you know, you're around the, those guys from the fall to our offseason lifting program and then through it, through the, the grueling schedule sometimes in the cold weathers in the Midwest in spring. Um, you just think about the amount of times you spend on a bus ride or, you know, trips to Florida, trips to, uh, you know, any sort of place like playing the Metrodome at. 10 o'clock or, you know, midnight, you know, things like that. They're memories that, um, are, uh, you know, stick with, you know, stick with you for a long time. Um, and there's still things that we talk about when I get with the, get together with those guys, you know, for weddings or whatnot, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like time hasn't passed. It's like, we were just doing it, you know, a week ago.
1: Now, shortly after you got done playing Ryan, you went into coaching, what led you into coaching? And you talked about it a little earlier, how you couldn't see yourself at a desk, but, Mm-hmm. What ultimately kept you at Warburg?
0: Yeah, um, and like I said, I, I, I enjoy being able to, to. Part of my office is the baseball field. There's never, it's never a bad time to be on the baseball field. So, um, being able to do that six days a week, um, you know, being able to, um, you know, again helping, you know, young men grow up, um, you know, from eighteen to twenty-two, and then all of a sudden they're on, you know, to their life after their time at Warburg. Um, you know, it's been something, you know, being able to make an impact on on their lives has been one of the big you know, biggest benefits of, of getting into coaching. And and I did a year of, of kind of volunteer coaching. And then I was fortunate enough that at the time, the assistant coach took a head coaching job, which opened up that position. So, you know, at 23 and having a full-time head coaching job was – or full-time assistant job uh, was kind of hard for me to pass down. Um, so it was one of those things of – uh, being involved with that and, and, and being a warped grad, I, I, I knew the program. I knew the success it had. Um, I know the, knew the kind of kids that, you know, what kind of, it, it attracted. Um, and I knew the kind of kids that I was around every day as a player that, you know, it, it was all going to, you know, kind of translate into it as a coach as well.
1: I pulled your bio from your playing and your coaching years and your coaching bio, it seems like you're working primarily with the pitchers and the pitching staff under you has ranked in the top 10 in the nation in the lowest ERA coming in at ninth and 12th best in strikeout ratio. Now, what are your pitching philosophies? And if you had to identify for the pitchers and the younger kids that are listening to this, maybe the three to five most important keys of pitching what would it be
0: yeah i mean the biggest philosophy i guess that that you know i kind of talk with our guys and you know kind of you know again even though we've had them some for four years some for you know one year whatever it is you know just having the mentality that you know the the work you put in day in and day out um you know will prepare you for that that next time you step on the mound once you step on that mound it can go exactly how you plan it, which you're hoping is, you know, a really good start or it could be the exact opposite. Um, and kind of like you talked about before that there's things that, you know, you can control and there's things you can't control. And and, and if we let the things that we can't control, you know, dictate our body language or dictate, um, you know, our, our, our the time that you're on the mound, um, you know, when things go, it's easy to be good body language and, and be in the right mindset when things are going right. Um, it's the ones that, you know, when things aren't going the way you, you plan them to, whether there's errors behind you or, you know, the bloop singles of seeing eye singles, things like that, that if we let that kind of dictate our mindset and our body language, um, you know, it only goes downhill from there. So, um, that's kind of been the biggest philosophy for us is, you know, control the things that we can control. Um, but you know, in terms of the three, three things, three to five things, um, you know, the biggest thing that you, know, you kind of have to get over and, and understand is that, you know, the strike zone's got nine, nine, nine zones in that location. So um, you have to be able to understand how to attack all nine zones. You can't be, uh, I can you know, I, I don't want to go in because I don't want to hit a guy or, or you know, I'm, I'm two strikes and I always go to a breaking ball or I have to always go off speed. You know, they, they just, you, know, you have to have the mindset of that, you know, you control those nine zones and if we can effectively you know, work, you know, pitches into those zones, um, you know, we can be very effective. So that's kind of the first thing is, again, understanding the strike zone, understanding that we have to be comfortable about throwing to both sides of the plates, throwing in, you might, you might hit a batter here and there, that's going to happen. But if we can, you know, basically tell a hitter he's got to cover nine zones, it makes it a whole lot difficult, more difficult than, uh, we don't want to throw in, we're going to go middle to middle away, you got six hitters are six zones as a hitter to cover. Um, I think those are, if we can, if you can exploit some of those, uh, areas in their swings, you know, you can be very successful. So, um, the other thing is, 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 you know, my big thing is, 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 you know, it's easy to have a fastball breaking ball. It, it, the ones that I think are a step ahead of guys is, is coming out of high schools is, is having developed a good changeup. You know, you can be very successful with a, with a fastball changeup. Greg, Greg Maddox did it for years. Um, you know, well, yeah, he had his breaking ball, but he was not known for his his you know velocity and breaking ball. He was known for his his changeup. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I think is is can get overlooked at times because it's always you know it's about velocity and then having something that breaks. You know, where you can be very very effective. Um, you know, again, when I was in high school, I was probably into that maybe upper seventies, low eighty range, but had developed the changeup when I was a freshman. And a lot of it came back to. You know, my dad was was pretty tough on me about you're not going to throw a breaking ball until at least your sophomore year. So it forced me I either going to throw all fastballs or learn how to develop a changeup. So that was kind of a, a big thing that, you know, when I when I'm looking at, you know, recruiting kids that, you know, if you get a, a good changeup developed, you kind of already are a step ahead of, of a kid that might throw at four or five miles per hour, you know, harder than you. Um, but. And then, again, I kind of go back to as our philosophy is, is when I go to games or I watch kids is, is body language. Um, you know, having that mentality of wherever you throw a pitch, that was the intent of where you wanted to throw it at. You know, never give a, an opponent a reason to think that you're in their head. Um, you know, it's, it's you know, have the, have the mentality of where I threw it is exactly where I wanted it to go. Um, you know, and that comes back to, again, being able to to shake the bad things off and, and you know, move forward from it. Um, and then, again, I love the pitchers that – you know, that I'm walking out the mountain to take him out of there. And it's, you know, it's like Nolan Ryan yelling to the dugout saying, don't take me out. Or, you know, he's, he's, you know, yelling at the dugout, telling him he's got, I'm staying in this game. And, you know, want that ball in your hand, not uh, not how quickly can I get it out of my hand? You know, I want that ball in my hand as, as long as I possibly can.
1: Now, Ryan, before we get you out of here and we hit into that podcast killing double play, I just want to piggyback on something that you said that I absolutely love. People... Right now is the National League Championship Game 7 right now. And I shot Ryan a text wanting to ask him if um, he wanted to do this another night. So this just shows how devoted we are to our audience. We have Game 7 Braves and Dodgers on pause right now. But the reason why I mention that is because he mentioned... The guys that are a step above the rest have a good changeup. I kid you not, when I was watching Game 7, Braves and Dodgers before this, the announcer said during this baseball season, the number one swing and miss pitch at 24.6% was a changeup. So those guys know a lot more about baseball than I do. Coach Doty knows a lot more about baseball than I do. I just bring the comic relief. My guess they bring the expert. But take it from him, take it from the announcers that I heard him gay seven swing and miss pitch right now the highest in professional baseball is the changeup if you don't have one you're hearing this in the off season start developing it parents if you're listening to this and your kids don't get them to one of our great facilities and start developing developing that changeup now Ryan I'm going to give you an opportunity here to give you a recruiting pitch we do have families we do have players that that listen to this we even have some undecided players that will be listening to this why why should a high school kid consider Wartburg why why should a top baseball player in the area go to Wartburg to play baseball the biggest thing is is you can always look at it is
0: they're student athletes um student comes before before athlete um you know you're gonna you, you're going to school to get an education adding baseball to it is a great experience I'd love to say you can play baseball till you're 50, 60 years old. It's not, you know, I guess play baseball and make money doing it um, until you're 50, 60 years old. I've seen it, you know, in that in the Prairie League, in the East Iowa Hawkeye League, I've seen some guys that are getting up there age-wise that still go out and swing it and run. But um, but in terms of playing it for a career, um, that, that's the point that, that comes to you. And if, that's, if you're fortunate to go play, you know, professionally or indie, whatever it is, um, great. But at some point, that it does come to an end and being able to know that you've gotten, you know, great education, um, you know, and have a, a plan to kind of fall back on when that career does come to an end and know that you're, you're ready to take that next step into uh, your life um, is something that is very important. Um, and like I said, we, you know, we stress the academics are, are the most important here and, and, you know, but we do have a lot of guys that have gone on and done a lot of great things um from from a career point or career standpoint um that have went and done you know been great baseball players for, for for us for four years um you know some went on to be doctors dentists things like that and balanced you know the athletic side of it as well so um that's the biggest thing i said is, is you're a student first um baseball is a, is a bonus to it um like i said if you're fortunate to go play professionally or you know do it as a career after your time great um but knowing that when you graduate when you get done with whatever that next step is in your life that uh you know you're you're prepared for uh when bills start rolling in and you you know you gotta start supporting the family so those are those are important to more important to us and the success we see in the classroom with our guys you know is as is, is important to us as the championships that we won they're probably more important um when you really look at, at the big picture of it
1: Now, Ryan, when we started this podcast, um, we didn't think anybody would listen to it, but then people actually started to listen to it, and it kind of surprised us that that came up with the idea. And then we started to make a list of some guests to have on, And, and you were on my initial list of guests to have on And I reached out to you because Coach Spain sent me a text message. And when people start asking me about people, I realize I need to jump them on the list and get them on. And Coach Spain sent me a text the other day from Clark University. And he said, and I'm going to quote him word for word. He said, you need to have Ryan Doty on the podcast. He has a championship mind that people would benefit from hearing from, close quote. What is the future... For Ryan Doty and his championship mind are you actively searching for head coaching jobs where you can run your own college program or are you thinking of sticking around Wartburg for the long haul
0: yeah I mean I'm definitely uh you know looking for head coaching positions obviously having the the uh, the reins of a program and having uh you know everything kind of the good and the bad you know fall back on your shoulders um I actually had interviewed for um, a job uh, in Nebraska at Nebraska Wesleyan was offered that two years ago and just kind of, I felt like it was, it wasn't the right fit uh, for my career and knowing the program that I come from and and have been a part of has been so good to me um, and has been something that was hard for me to leave at the time. Um, But again, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm always looking, but, where I'm at is, is is a pretty good place, um, and it's going to take kind of the right uh, the right move to really kind of uh, get me to to leave um, you know Warburg. Um, and I think it always kind of comes back to is you know it's it, I hate to say that it comes back to sometimes the financial side of it, but um, you know if it's the right program um, where Warburg has been for me, again I don't I'm not in the career to to go make millions and have a big house. It's it's to be to be, uh, you know, make an impact on kids' lives and and, and be able to be, um, you know, remembered for those things as opposed to, uh, oh, your, your win-loss record and, you know, things like that. So uh, definitely, like I said, I'm definitely looking, but again, where I'm at, it's a pretty good fit. And I don't know, I'm not sure if I've got a timeline of when I'm planning on being out of here, if there is a timeline at this point. Um, but again, most things that... Warburg has been so good to me and in in my time here. And it's, it's been one of those things of, of, you know, the right fit hasn't come around for me yet. And hoping that at some point here in the near future that I have the, uh, the ability to take a program over and, and, you know, it will take what I've, what I've learned in my short uh, career of coaching at this point um, and and being able to kind of, you know, take the reins of a program and, and try to do what, you know, Warburg has done here and, and, you know, do that on a consistent basis.
1: Coach Doty from Dubuque Hempstead, associate head coach at Wartburg. Thanks for joining us on the Dubuque area baseball podcast. Best of luck in this upcoming season and all future endeavors. Anything you'd like to plug or add before we hit into that podcast ending double play?
0: No, I, you know I appreciate you having me on here, Coach, and I appreciate uh, Coach Spain, uh, you know, contacting you about me. And I've got to know Dan over the last probably ten to eleven years of playing against him in, in the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye League and the Prairie League, and um, you know, got to, you know, I know he's done some some very good things there at Clark, and, and continues to do good things there. So um, I just appreciate you giving me a chance to get on here and, and chat a little bit and. Uh, be able to kind of get some some stuff out there and, and you know to one of the to the best best place
1: in 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 iowa in, in dubuque awesome thanks again ryan we appreciate it 643 we're out of here
0: post game show is brought to you by
1: christ i can't find it the hell with it Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.